Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. So what we want to do tonight, I'm going to talk to you about goals, but I'm going to do it from a biblical perspective, right? So I, I, I in my little life have made a lot of mistakes. And in some of these mistakes that I've, I've, I've made, uh, it has been heart-wrenching, if that makes any sense. Um, and I'm wondering why, am I on the screen? Can you guys see me? We can see you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, great. So they've been heart-wrenching mistakes. And I wanted to share with you a principle from the Bible. And as you see the principle from the scriptures, I believe by God's grace, it will be massively beneficial uh, to us as, as a community. So the first thing I want to share with you is from the story of Joseph. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this story, but it's one of the most fascinating stories in all the Bible. And I want to share a Bible text with you because This text actually helps us set goals the proper way. All right. So I want you to open your Bible to Psalms 105. If you have a Bible, open it to Psalms 105. And in Psalms 105, there is a synopsis of the experience of Joseph. A synopsis of the experience of Joseph and the idea of visions and goals. And so before I read it, let me just have a word of prayer, ask God for special help. Father, just want to thank you for your grace and mercy. Um, your word says, if any man or woman lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally and braid of not, and you'll be given. So Father, we claim this promise and we trust you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. All right, Psalms 105 says this, and believe it or not, as I'm sharing this with you, it is actually a science to goal setting and the power of it when it comes to obstacles in our life. So Psalms 105, and I want to believe I want to start reading at verse number 16. Psalms 105 verse 16 says, moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He break the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. All right. So if, if you're reading the synopsis of the story, it sounds like a tough story, right? <laughs> it sounds like a story that it doesn't seem like it's going well, but it starts out well because it says God sent a man to deal with the bread crisis beforehand. And the condition of the man is that he's in a form of captivity. And if you guys know me, if anybody knows me, one of my favorite words in all the Bible is the word until. So it says, and again, in Psalms 105 and verse 17, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until, until what? Until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried 
him. Interesting. So if you remember the story, Joseph at a very early age is given a dream or a vision. And when he's given this dream or vision, he is, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? He is mistreated by his brothers. His brothers do not understand him. They don't understand where he's coming from. They don't know how, how, how God is calling him in his experience. But the vision and the dream came from the Most High. It's not something that he made up. Please keep that in mind. The vision, the goal, is not something that he made up. You want to be sure that you meet the goal that God has for you. You want to make sure that it's God's goal and not yours alone. I want to put that before you first and foremost. Before you set any goal, whether it be for your business, your family, your finance, your fund, your relationships, whatever they may be, you want to make sure that your goals are divinely given by God. And if they're divinely given by God, it is a pretty much a guarantee if you follow that word, if you follow the vision God has given, it is a guarantee that that goal will be reached, whether it's business, whether it's family, whether it's relationships, fitness, whatever it is, you set that goal and God is the one behind it and it's a guaranteed yes. I want you to hear what I'm saying. It's a guaranteed yes, but it must be his goal. Go with me to Genesis chapter 37. Look at verse, verse three. Genesis chapter 37 and verse, verse number three. And I'm going to begin reading the experience of Joseph before you. And we're just going to follow along because as we're following along, we're understanding these principles. There's going to be something that happens in our experience, in our family, in our business, whatever it is, that it's a guarantee hitting of said goal. So in Genesis, Genesis chapter 37, and we're looking at verse, at verse 3. The Bible says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Interesting. So in this story, Joseph has favor from his father and his father demonstrates his favor by giving him a coat. Now, if you're, if you're in the religious world at all, you understand that this is symbolic in a great way in our Christian experience. When you and I have favor with God, God gives us a coat too. It's a coat of righteousness. It's a coat of holiness. It's a coat showing favor in his presence. That's what, that's what was happening there. So in our experience, while we are walking with God, our father, we must be in his favor. Now, I want to take you to a text. You hold your finger in Genesis chapter 37 because we're going to come back there. But I want to take you to a text in the book of Daniel. Daniel, Daniel chapter one in verse number nine. And again, I'm sharing principles from the scripture guaranteeing your hitting of your goals. Daniel chapter one and look at verse number nine. The Bible says in Daniel 1, verse 9, and again, when you're looking at these stories, you've got to understand the principles. These principles are eternal in nature. They are not compromised. So in Daniel chapter 1, verse 9 says, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. 
Well, that's interesting. God brought Daniel into favor. Now, anytime I read these stories, I'm always curious in my mind, does God showing favoritism here? <laughs> is God showing favoritism here? Because it says God brought Daniel into favor. Interesting. So I'm going to take this a little bit further. Take this a little bit further. Are there conditions to favor? Are there conditions to favor? Because before I receive my assignment, before I receive the goal that God has for me, I must first be brought into favor with him to understand what the vision and goal is. Are you following? Because Daniel is going to have a, make a resolute decision. And when he makes that resolute decision, that's, after, that's when he begins to have visions and dreams. He doesn't have visions and dreams and goals before that. The first thing he does, he purposes in his heart to not defile his body. Now watch this. I'm going to show you a principle. Proverbs chapter, go to Proverbs chapter three. Look at this. In Proverbs chapter three, in Proverbs chapter three, and I want to look at verses one and four. In Proverbs chapter three, verse one and four. Again, we're looking at the biblical way that goals are set up. In Proverbs chapter three, in verse one, the Bible says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Keep that in mind. Now, what did Daniel do? Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. So now by not defiling himself, God can trust him with the vision. Understand the undergirding principle in Proverbs 3 verse 1. Watch what it says. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Why? For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Pause. Now, I want you to keep this in mind, you know, as, as we're going through this. The, the idea, the idea, the imagery that's used in Proverbs about God's commandments and his law is that they're written on uh, about his neck. They're bound about his neck. They're written on the heart. Both of these are vital organs and places on the body, right? If you don't have your neck, you're done. If you don't, if something's written on your heart, that's 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 vital, right? So bind them about thy neck, write them on the tables of thine heart. What happens after that? Once you follow that instruction, verse four says, "So shalt thou find." What's it say, my friends? Favor. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. I hope you're getting it. So if you're going to have favor, you must first break God's law. You must purpose in your heart to honor God. You know, in the regular business world, what they, what they talk about in this component is you must understand your why, right? You need to peel it back. You know what? You know, if you say you want to make a million dollars, you say, why? Well, the reason why I don't want to make a billion dollars is because I'm tired of being broke. Okay, why are you tired of being broke? I'm tired of being broke because I, I, I want my family to be secure. Well, why do you want your family to be secure? Because if they're secure, it relieves stress. Why don't you want them to be stressed? Because I want them to be happy. And I want I need me to be happy because when they're not happy, I'm not happy. So you peel down your why, right? You peel down your why. 
And with the Christian, the why always anchors in what does God want, want, want me to do? It anchors in that because if it anchors in what God wants, it's immovable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I've watched this many times, even in my own experience. My why might be like, you. I want to do this for my wife. Then my wife doesn't make me happy one day. <laughs> right? So now, if my wife doesn't make me happy, what happens to my motivation? If my friend doesn't make me happy, what happens to my motivation? What happens to my, my movement? If my, my why needs to be anchored in God, that's why Joseph... Uh, or, or not Joseph, that's why, that's why uh, um, da Daniel purposes in his heart that he would not defile himself. It was beyond just, I, I just want to be healthy. It was, my body is a temple. Therefore, I will purpose in my heart, despite the hardships that will come from my decision, anchored, my friend, immovable, can't change. Because the vision is anchored in God. You want to set a goal? Set that goal. Ask the why. Is this goal in alignment to what the scripture has in regards to my experience? And if that goal fits what God wants, it's immovable. It's inevitable. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. <laughs> if that goal is in alignment with what God wants, that goal is inevitable. The question it is, are you in alignment with what God wants? And maybe you're making up your own goals. Maybe you're coming up with your own ideas. Maybe that's why it's not working. But maybe you set your goal and your aspirations in alignment with his word. And as you do that, the goal is inevitable. Success is in your hands. I remember reading one quotation. It says, God does not know failure. He doesn't know it. It's not in his vernacular. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, it's not him because he is all success all day, every day. And God always hits his goals. So favor. So you will find good understanding and favor if you do what? What's the condition? Forget not my law. Write them upon the tables of my heart. Bind them about thy neck. I want to take this even further. I want to show you how this goes even to Jesus himself. Go to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, watch this now. The book of Luke, Acts, Luke, look at this, Luke chapter two. And again, I just want to share with you the principles of goal setting from scripture, not, not my own theorems, right? In Luke chapter two, verse 52, watch what the Bible says. The Bible says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor, uh-oh, and in favor with God and man. So when Joseph is brought into favor, that's not something new. Daniel brought into favor. That's not something new. What's the undergirding principle? Keeping God's word as the anchor of all movements. If you think about it, the Ten Commandments are simply a relational contract. They're a relational contract between how you interact with God and how you interact with man. The first four, how you interact with God. The last six, how you interact with man. In favor with God and man. It's relational. I always say this, man. 
I am I have, I have come to a place in my Christian walk where it is no longer when somebody says what is sin, somebody says sin is transgression of the law. Sin is the transgression of relationships. That's what it is. So you want to have favor as you set your goal. And you know you have favor if your goals are anchored in the word, principally in the word. Now go back to Genesis chapter chapter 37 for a moment. Go back to Genesis chapter 37. We're studying. I figure my time's going to run out. You know, normally on Friday nights, I do a Bible study. And so it lasts an hour and a half. That's not my goal tonight, okay? <laughs> oh, man. In Genesis chapter 37, I want to look at verse number five now. Actually, look at verse number four, because I want to begin to set up this adversarial component of, of Joseph's story. The Bible says, and, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Mm. Could not speak peaceably unto him. They hated him. Verse five. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. Now, I, as, I was, as I was contemplating this part of the story, and I've been thinking about this part of the story, I'm thinking, okay, first of all, they hated him because he got a coat. He dreamed a dream. He told them about it. They hated him again. He, told, he had another dream. He told them about it. They hated him more. And the hatred is just building. But understand, the dream was given to Joseph to understand and execute. The dream was not given to the family to fully understand. When God gives you a dream, when God gives you a vision, do not become discouraged because other people don't understand it. Do you, do you, do you understand? Do not all of a sudden... Oh, no, they said no. Oh, no, they said that was a crazy idea. Oh, no, that was you're in this or you're doing that. Or, oh, no, you'll never be this. Or the conference says this or the church says this. Who did God give the dream to? Who did he give it to? He gave it to you. They may not get it. You may be mocked. You may be despised. You, you may not be understood by the people that you hold dear. But the dream was given to you, not everybody else. The vision was given to you and not everybody else. The goal was given to you and not everybody else. And when you understand this, my friends, it anchors you. It's, it, it puts you in a place where no matter what wind comes this way or what wind comes that way, you're like, you know what? I know what God told me to do. I know what God told me to do. So my question is to you right now, what vision has God put on your heart? What, what vision has God put on your heart, whether that's in your relationships, whether that's with your finances, whether that's in ministry, whether that's in business, whether that's in your community, what vision has God given to you? And I promise you, my friends, you need to sit down and think about it. Think about it. You may have been distracted. You may have picked up somebody else's vision. You may have picked up somebody else's goal. You may be running off somebody else's ideas. No, no. I want to know what dream and what vision has God given to you? You say, Andre, 
I'm old now. I can't have any visions. Well, you have to tell Abraham about that one. Hmm? You tell you tell Noah about that one. You you tell these old fogies about no, my friends. God can give you a vision whether you be young or whether you be old. Inspiration says in the last days God will pour out His Spirit. What is He pouring out on? Young young men shall dream dreams, and your old men shall have visions. It is a divine thing. It is a divine gift, and God wants you to walk in the vision that God has given you to walk in. Not everybody else's vision, not everybody else's dream. And it's beautiful from time to time, your dream and vision may match someone else's. And you might have a running mate now, you may have a partner that you can work with because they have come in alignment with the vision and dream that God has given. But my friends, if you notice the story with, with Joseph, initially family was not about that. No, 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 they got some heart issues they had to deal with. Initially, the closest people were not about his vision. Mm -mm. There was something going on inside that God had to work out in their experience. So in Genesis, Genesis chapter three and verse five, again, I read and Joseph dreamed the dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And then it says in Genesis, uh, Genesis 37 and verse eight, and his brethren said unto him, shalt thou indeed reign over us? And shalt thou indeed have domain over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. I find that to be interesting because here these brothers are even understanding a portion of the dream, right? Because true, it was true. In the dream, God was showing, showing him that he was going to reign. And the brethren were getting it. They, they got it. But the mere fact that you would reign over us, you little pipsqueak. <laughs> nah, you own something. You ate something late last night. You know, that's why you that's why you feeling that way today. <laughs> but no, God gave him a dream. You know, and when God gives dreams, they're specific. It's interesting when that when uh, when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, what did he give him? A head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. Why did God give? Nebuchadnezzar a dream with all those elements. Do you know why God did that? I was praying about this many years ago and God gave it to me. The reason why, the reason why God gave Nebuchadnezzar that dream that way is because Nebuchadnezzar understood kingdom elements. And everything that you see in that image has to do with uh, 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 elements that build kingdoms, gold, silver, bronze, iron, clay. You need that economically. You need that to build empires. You need that. So when the king has the dream and vision, he gives it so they can understand it. Why did, why did, uh, why did uh, the butler, when Joseph was in prison, in the dream, God gave him a vision, understanding the cup and all that stuff, or the baker with the, with the birds and the birds eating the bread off the basket, he gave him a vision so that he could understand it. When Daniel has the vision and dream in Daniel chapter seven, what is he dreaming about? He's dreaming about predatory beasts, unclean beasts in Daniel seven. Daniel understood that. In Daniel eight, what does he dream about? Beast of clean beasts, because he's dealing with the sanctuary. So when God speaks to you, it's uniquely for you. I'm trying to, I, I, that's all I'm trying to tell you. And you need to own that. Own that. 
The dream is for you. The vision is for you. Walk in what God has given you. Now, the next parts I, I already highlighted, but I want to highlight again. Daniel was, <laughs> not Daniel, Joseph was. Now, let's walk through a little history with Joseph. Joseph was mocked by his brothers, betrayed and thrown in a pit by his own family. His family sold him into slavery. He goes and works for Potiphar. He excels in his job. The wife of Potiphar is like, yo, this brother's hot. She tries to come after the brother. She can't get him because he's faithful to his calling. He's thrown into prison because the woman falsely accuses him. He's then in jail. And while he's in jail, he ascends to the height in jail. The, the butler and the baker are in the, the prison with him. He's supposed to be remembered. And as he's forgotten in the prison, you would think that if somebody had gone through all that mess, betrayed by their family, falsely accused by their brethren, uh, 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 lied on by the boss, forgotten by his friends that he helped, you would think the person would just give up. Huh? You would think a person would give up. My friends, I need to, I need to say this, and I'm going to say it very clear. There are going to be days, and you probably already had these type of days, when it's just you and God. Hmm? It looks like the vision that he gave you in the beginning doesn't look like it's going to come to fruition. It's going to be days when it's like, God, did you really send me on this mission? Did you really send me on this work? Did you really have me start this school? Did you really have me start this business? And the, the point that you got to go back to is the vision that God gave you from the beginning based on his own word, because you're anchored in the ultimate why. Are you following what I'm saying? And because if you don't do this, my friends, the storms of life will easily push you this way and you won't hit your goal. The storms of life will easily push you that way and you won't hit your goal. You must resolutely in your mind and in your heart know that God has something in store for you. In fact, again, I want to read the text again from Psalms 105. Look again. I want to read it again. Psalms 105. Look at this. Psalms 105. Psalms 105. In verse number 16. Watch what the Bible says. It says, moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. God did that. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until, until what? Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Now, when I, when I read that, when you mean the word of the Lord tried him? In other words, my friends, here is the vision of what God told you to do. And then here is your life. <laughs> Here is the vision of what God said to do, and here's your life. And you're like, is that word true? And that word tries you because it's, it's grading against what you see as your reality. This is what the word says, and here's my life until, and it tried him. Now, my friends, it was necessary, listen to me now, in order for Joseph to fulfill the goal that God has set for him, 
it was necessary that he go through the fire first. I don't think anybody's listening. Anybody listening? Anybody heard what I said? In order to reach the goal that God has put for you, the larger the goal, the greater the fire. The larger the goal, the greater the fire. The more that God has put on your lap, understand the trial is necessary to, to get some stuff out of you or else you wouldn't be able to be second in command in Egypt. Y'all not hearing this. It was necessary for Joseph to be in the pit. It was necessary for Joseph to be accused by that woman. It was necessary for Joseph to be thrown in prison. It was necessary for Joseph to be forgotten. In order for Joseph to sit as the second in command in Pharaoh, he had to go to the pit. You say, Andre, the trials in my life don't seem fair. Guess what? They were designed to get the unk out of your life, out of your character. It's designed a certain way for the believer because the believer, if you got there too fast, hmm? if you got there too fast, you'd probably be in trouble. Hmm? You see, my friends, when we have an understanding of how God moves, then it is less likely. Yea, my friends, I know 100% it is unlikely that you and I would complain under duress. Okay? It is unlikely that you would, because what's happening? I know that my savior is with me. Hmm? I know that in the midst of this fire, it is designed to do for me what I cannot do for myself. And it's interesting, the more I think about this story as I'm talking to you, God knew a famine was coming in the future. And he began to prepare a young man from his childhood to meet the crisis when, he, when it came. From the childhood, the child had no idea, the family had no idea, but God knew ahead of time. The trial is necessary, my friends. Don't despise your trial. Don't despise your struggle. They are designed to help you reach your goal. I hope this is making sense. So my question to you, my question to you, what has been your response? when those situations and those trials have come your way. And the question I have on top of that is, can you do better? Can you do better when trials and tribulations meet you? When troubles meet you? I wanna read, I wanna read to you 1 Peter. 1 Peter, go to 1 Peter real quickly, my friends. 1 Peter, you say, Andre, this is the strangest goal-setting training I've ever been to. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yes, goal setting is biblical, my friends, and it's to be anchored in his word. First Peter, first Peter chapter three, in verse 12, the Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. How are we to respond to the rest? 
with meekness and fear. Under duress, this is instruction from the most high, meekness and fear. So do I complain when I don't get the cell I want? Nah. Do I complain when trials come out of left field? You're like, yo, where is this coming from? You go to your Lord. You ask him, Father, please give me what your word says, because otherwise I can't do this thing. The goal that you set before me is beyond me. How is all this stuff happening to me in the midst of what you told me to do? You have to hang on to his word. Verse 16 says, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good, this says conversation, simply means conduct in Christ. So there it is. Trials and tribulations, what do I do? I Now, brothers and sisters, what I must do myself is turn my eyes to the most high and trust that these trials are designed to help me reach the ultimate goal that he has for me. No complaining. Nope. No, nope. I have to trust him. Hmm. I got to trust him. I want you to think about this. I, I have this quote here. It says, every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to that of his creator. What power is that that's given to us that's a, a power akin to that of our creator? Individuality, power to think and to do. So we have been given a power akin to that of our creator, the power to think and to do. The men in whom this power is developed are the men who, and you know what? I need to do something real quick. Are the men who, and this is not going to show for you, but it's going to show for me. Let me. Give me a second here. Are the men who bear responsibilities, who are leaders in enterprise, and who influence character. You want to write those three things down. I'll read it again. Every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to that of his creator. Individuality. This is the power now. Individuality, the power to think and to do. This is the power that we have akin to the, of our creator. And those of us who develop this power are influential in three ways. We bear responsibilities. We are leaders in enterprise. And number three, we influence character. The power to think and to do. This is what God has given us to do. This is why there's no goal that God gives us that we will not be able to accomplish as we yield to him and his guidance. All right. So let me read this to you. It says, if a man is called a street sweeper, he should sweep streets, sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Are you following that, my friend? Martin Luther King Jr. said these words, and I think to myself, yes, if your assignment has been called to be a street seeper, you better do that thing to the glory of God. It should be with such perfection that his name, the God's name is glorified. The quality of your work is a testimony in action. And you know what they say, actions speak louder 
than words. The testimony of the believer is the action that they take and less of their words. All right, let's go a little bit further. And this is, we're going to be, we're going to start wrapping, wrapping things up here. What is the quality and product? What is the quality of your product or service? What is the quality of your product or service? Now, I, I asked this question because whatever you put your hand to, whatever you set your hand on should glorify God in every way. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, go to 1 Corinthians for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. And this is uh, the writer, he, he writes here, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. What, is it, what does he mean by that? In other words, whatever I'm doing, I'm not doing it for my own self-gratification. I want to make sure that I am uplifting others. Does that make sense? I want to make sure that I'm uplifting whomever I'm coming in contact with. So whatever project I'm working on, it should be to build. That should be part of my goal and my vision. It goes on to say in verse 31 and 32, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of, of God. You get that? Give no offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. So whatever I'm doing, whatever I put my hands to, whatever I'm thinking to do should be for the purpose of uplifting humanity around me, uplifting my church family, uplifting my community. It should be of great quality. John chapter nine, go to John chapter nine, verse five, John chapter nine and verse five. You guys said, oh, we were not expecting a Bible study today. <laughs> it's okay. In John chapter 9, verse 5, the Bible says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We should be like him, right? Our lives should reflect lights as well. In Matthew chapter, chapter 15, or chapter five, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter five and verse 15. Again, the quality of our service, of our work. In Matthew chapter five and verse 15, the Bible says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your father, which is in heaven. Your work should glorify God. I think that's simple. I think that's a goal that we can all attest to. The question is, do we submit our plans to God for him to be glorified in what we do? Ephesians chapter five or chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. I want to read verse five. Ephesians chapter six, verse five. 
in verse 9, the Bible says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. So when you're working at your job, you don't work at your job for your boss. If your boss is disrespectful to you, your objective is not to tell the boss where to go. <laughs> you're serving the boss as if you're serving Christ. That's what it just said. Verse 9 says, and ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, in other words, don't threaten, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. So if you're a boss, how do you treat your, your workers? And if you're a worker, how do you treat your boss? In all these things, we are to reflect and give glory to God. Hmm. I think it's simple, simple concept. Here we are. In the times in which we live, with the goals that we have in place. Now, guys, if you, if everybody, if anybody ever asked me what my goals were, you would be surprised. I used to have my vision board back here, but I have some very super goals. And the goals were not me making them up. Now, some of them I think I make up, and I have to go back to God and ask for clarity. Um, but God put some big stuff on me. And I'm like, Lord, I'm going through some stuff right now. How are we going to get to there? <laughs> how are we going to get over there when we're going through this right here God said look my biddings are, are your enablings my instruction is your power my wisdom is your direction my strength is overcoming your weakness are you following the idea so Joseph in the pit out of the pit in the, in the jail out of the jail all in preparation to prepare him to stand. So my question to you is, what are, what are some things that you can begin to do right now that will allow you to stand before kings? Huh? I want to read something to you from the book of Proverbs. Sometimes, friends, we don't accept what the word says, and therefore we, we limit the blessing that God would have for us. I want to read something from the book of Proverbs. This is one of my favorite texts in all of scripture. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29, the Bible says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before obscure men. See a man diligent in his business. Are you diligent? Do you make all the calls you need to make in a day with your business? Do you sit down and talk to your employees the way you're supposed to talk to them? Do you set your vision and your goal before your staff the way you're supposed to? See a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. He will stand before kings. And my friends, we've been told that in the last days, we are going to stand before kings. And you think they're going to have us, nobody standing before kings? We're not doing excellent in anything? No. You're gonna, I'm going to stand for truth. If you're not standing for stuff right now, Forget about standing for stuff then. Everybody want to stand for the great crisis, but you're not standing right now. You're not diligent right now. You're not faithful to the task right in front of you right now. Right now. Luke, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, and we're looking at verse number 10. 
Luke 16, verse 10, the Bible says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. You must be faithful in the little things. Faithfulness in obscurity prepares you for glory before the masses. Faithfulness in obscurity. And if you don't know what the word obscurity means, it simply means no one knows who you are. Nobody sees the work that you're doing. Nobody sees that you're cleaning the toilet. Nobody sees that you're folding the clothes. Nobody sees what you're doing. But if you're faithful in that which is least, you will also be faithful in that which is much. And your practical daily responsibilities that you fulfill to honor God, because your why is anchored in the word, those daily tasks that you do day after day prepares you to stand before kings. So now that you have a vision, now that you have a vision anchored in the word, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Now, there are some practical things that you can do, and I'm going to give you just a few of them that you can do. There's several things that you can do. But I'm going to read a few things to you first. In Proverbs chapter 27, verses 23 to 27, the Bible says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. What is, what is he saying? Take care of what you already have. Be diligent that none of your wealth disappears. Pay attention to the dollars and cents. Pay attention to the time. Pay attention to your health. Pay attention to your flock, it says. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. For riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? The hay appeareth and the tender grass showeth itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household and for the maintenance of thy maids. Wow. Why is he saying that? If you pay attention to your flocks, understand this stuff doesn't last forever. Be diligent in what is in your hands. What does Joseph do? Joseph, once he becomes second in command, he takes account for what is in the land and he makes a plan in detail in what to do. And now my friends, when Joseph had reached this state and he's a great accountant and keeper of the books, how did he learn how to do that? Well, first at home, keeping accounts of what's going on with the brothers. Then, <laughs> then after he did that, he, he goes and he, uh, He's in, in prison, or not in prison, he's, he's over Potiphar's house, and he's keeping track of the books, and the house is prospering. Then when he's in jail, what is he doing? He's keeping track of what's going on there. So all that prepared him for second in command. Second in command, sitting there, keeping track of the finances of the nation, my friend. So my question, my question, or my thought is simple. My thought is simple. I thought it's simple. It is imperative that we allow God to set our vision. 
I think that I think that's the number one. Let God set our vision. Anchor your vision in His Word. That's how you get it. No, it's not going to come like oh, that might happen to you. But principally, what does God say about your finances? That's in the Word. What does God say about relationships? That's in the Word. What does God say about your health and fitness? That's in the Word. Now, everything then based on that Word is inevitable success my friends because now you're not dependent on yourself you're not dependent on your theory you're dependent upon god and god bless you guys i pray that this was understood i pray lord to i pray brothers and sisters that at the end of the day when it's all said and done whatever goals and aspirations you have as you're anchored no matter what the strife or struggle there is you by god's grace can be faithful to the task that is right before you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, just want to thank you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for giving us a vision and a dream, something to wake up for. Thank you for giving us instruction in your inspired word and in the principles of success that are all around us. Please help us to submit to your instruction. Help us into all our ways, acknowledge you, trusting that you would direct our pathway. Father, in you, there is no failure. There is only success. And every trial is designed to put us in a place where you can be honored and glorified. We love you, Father. Teach us to love you more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Andre. You're welcome. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was amazing. We need the recording, though. Yes, I was asking about the recording. Yes. Is that available? This is something you have to play back over and over. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's recorded. How can we get it? Thank you. I will share. I will send it to the team uh, somehow. I have to. I'll download it, edit it, and I'll, I'll send you guys a link. Okay. Thank you. If you're not in my email, you need to send me an email. All right. If you if you don't receive emails from me, like then you need to send me your email so I can send this to you. Or if you're in the Wealth Creators group, it will be in the Wealth Creators um, Facebook page. Facebook. All right. Join the Wealth Creators Facebook page. <laughs> All right. Facebook. God bless. Hey, God bless you. Thank you. See you guys next Bye-bye. week. Bless you Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, who is that? I like that person. That's Bye-bye. my baby. Oh. <laughs> bye. bye. She can't hear. I have we have one, so I was cooking. <laughs> Just had Thank me you. saying bye-bye. Okay. Wonderful. Bye bye, Dorothy. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. I was bye. Thank you. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.